Welcome to another message from Citizen Heights. We are located in the nation's capital where our heart is to inspire hope, remove limitations, and help you experience God's possible for your life. Join pastors Michael and Heather Jarreau and their passion to help you live out your best life. We hope you enjoyed today's encouraging and uplifting message. Hello, everybody. Good morning, church. I am glad to be with you this morning. And if you're listening or experiencing this on CH Live, which is in our app, I'm glad you're listening in. And I um, want to, oh, wait, I need to dismiss citizen kids, don't I? That's right. Okay, guys, it's your time to get out of here and head downstairs. Those, the kids are all heading out now. Give them a round of applause. They're going downstairs to have their own experience. They're going to open the Bible down there, and the kids are going to learn about God's love for them. Um, Oh, the other thing I want to tell you before I get started is the video about the compassion trip gave you a little taste of what we're planning. We're going to take a team of about 20 people down to El Salvador to visit the community center where we have sponsored a whole lot of children and have sponsored even the construction of that center. And if you want to learn more about that trip and start to discuss think about whether you want to participate in it. Next Sunday is the first of our monthly information center sessions about that trip. And it, that'll happen next Sunday, the 24th, in the lobby after second experience. We'll be able to tell you how to sign up. We'll be able to give some details about the itinerary and just all of that trip entails so that you can decide how you want to engage in that church-wide effort. All right, now I'm going to launch into our main topic today, which is heaven. I'm so excited and honored to be able to talk with you about what the Bible says about heaven. And this Kings and Kingdoms series that we've been in, has it been incredible for you? I have been learning so much and being refreshed in my awareness and in my knowledge of God. And it's just been such a time of renewing my mind with an eternal perspective that is so applicable to my daily life. It's been really, really awesome. And if you haven't, if you've missed any of the teaching during these last few weeks, I want to encourage you to use the app because all of these messages are recorded and you can listen to them from the app. And let me tell you, it's been amazing. We've talked about life after death. We've talked about what Jesus says about how our life now is an indicator of where we'll be spending the afterlife. Last week, David Wager talked about hell in an incredibly encouraging way. It's, you know, hell is the kingdom that is defined by the absence of God. And if you didn't hear David's message, you need to listen to that on the app. And today, I, I got the good one. I get to talk to you about the thing everyone wants to talk about, which is heaven. The eternal kingdom that is defined by the presence of God. I am really excited about this. I want to also refer to something that Pastor Michael said when he was setting up this series a few weeks ago. He said that with all of these afterlife conversations, we must resist reducing spiritual realities to fit within our material limitations. And that's really important because everyone has their own ideas about what heaven will be like. 
And we base those ideas on our own experiences in this life. We base those ideas on our own ideas about what's awesome and what's not, right? And those are useful things. Those heavenly moments are useful because they do give us glimpses of what it will be like to be in heaven. They give us a tangible something to, to, to guide our thinking about the afterlife. But they don't tell the whole picture, right? Because heaven is entirely different from this life. Heaven is entirely new. And every soul in heaven will be defined by newness. We can't compare the now to the heavenly. However, it is useful. So I'm going to share a heavenly moment that I experienced this week. My husband and I actually, we went on vacation, which is heavenly, right? We went to Arizona, and we did some hiking in the Red Rocks of Arizona. And if you've never been to Arizona, I want to encourage you to try to go there. These places are just so different from what we have here in the Mid-Atlantic. And when you hike in the Red Rocks, it feels very daunting and challenging and actually sometimes scary. I'm afraid of heights, so it is, trust me, a scary thing. My heart is pounding when I'm hiking these things. And there's going to be a slide that shows you how gigantic these places are. When you're hiking, you have to stay on the path. You have to be careful where you're putting your feet. You have to be careful as you use your hands to pull yourself up during some of the climbs. You really need to pay attention to how your body is because you don't want to fall off the rock. And if you're me, you're worried because you're old and you don't want to tweak your back out or roll your ankle or anything. So you have to be really careful and persistent and deliberate in your climb. But when you get to the top, it's totally worth it. When you get to the top, you realize how small you really are. The view from the top is magnificent and breathtaking. It's totally different from the view at the bottom of the rock. And when you get to the rock, it just reminds you of your own human limitations and how we have to deliberately lift our eyes from the day to day to see a vision that God has for us going forward and into the afterlife. Because in the day-to-day, we are hyper-focused on the here and now, right? We're just trying to get through the week. We're trying to make the climb every single day. We feel confused sometimes about our purpose and is what we're doing, does it matter? And we, when we try to think about life after this, it's just sometimes overwhelming. And so those material Limited descriptions of what heaven might be like are useful to us. And we're going to look at one from the Bible, from the Apostle John, who described heaven as the new Jerusalem. John describes in Revelation 22 a holy city, a magnified version of the Jerusalem that his contemporaries would be relating to. John describes heaven as a glorified version of the place where his contemporaries went to to worship God and celebrate their faith community. John's description is very useful to us because it describes the undescribable in a very relatable way. And here's what John wrote in Revelation 22. The angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. 
On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit and yielding fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. You see, John had had a vision, an out-of-body experience where he was able to see heaven. An angel was his guide, and, and John was able to recall the details of his vision and communicate them in a way that the believers of his day and even us can relate to. John described heaven as a city made of pure gold. He said it was adorned with jewels like emeralds and sapphires and pearls and jasper. He said this place was brilliant and bright. John's material description of heaven plays off of things that people could relate to, connect with, things that people value, riches, shininess, cleanness, John was using this as what we call it in public relations, it's the hook. It's the way you prime your audience for the real message, for the essence of you, what you want them to understand. And John's essential message to us and to the believers of his day is that there is a defining difference between earth and heaven. Heaven is dominated by the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb who is Jesus. They light up this city with their presence, and all the people there are lit with this unending and glorious light. The presence of God defines heaven. It's not about the gold. It's not about the jewels. It's not about good weather or good hair. Like, I'm sure I'm going to have good hair every day in heaven, you know? It's not about any of that. The presence of God makes heaven glorious and beyond our imagination. So I'm going to share three things that the Bible says about heaven. The first is that heaven is a real place. It is God's home. It is the home of the almighty God who created the universe. And we are invited to join him there. You see, John's idea of heaven was shaped by his experiences in the temple, but it was also founded in the things that he heard Jesus teach when Jesus was on earth. John was one of the original 12 disciples, and Jesus taught the disciples that heaven was their inheritance. It is the place where we will be with Jesus forever. In John 14, John the Apostle recorded Jesus' words. Jesus told them, do not be worried and upset. Believe in God and believe also in me. There are many rooms in my Father's house, and I am going to prepare a place for you. I would not tell you this if it were not so. And after I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you myself so that you will be where I am. You know the way that leads to the place where I am going, Jesus said. I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one goes to the Father except by me. Now that you have known me, he said, you will know my Father also. 
So Jesus said he is taking us to his father's home, to our father's home. He's preparing a place for us there. And we will know the way because of our relationship with him. Paul wrote to the Colossians and said it this way, believers are qualified by Jesus to inheritance in the kingdom of light. Which brings me to my second point, that heaven is lit. Yes, I said it. I know. It's so weird. But yes, heaven is lit. Have you ever been to a concert and you were like, man, this is lit. Lyman knows what I'm talking about because we've been to one of those concerts. (laughs) Yeah, it's lit at a concert. Everyone in the room, maybe hundreds of people, maybe thousands of people all together singing and dancing and celebrating what's happening around them. Did you know that there's actually something that happens among us when we sing and dance together to music? Scientists at the University of California, Berkeley, have discovered that when people celebrate with music like we do in worship, a primal connection happens among us. Our brains actually start to connect. We are synchronized to what we are enjoying collectively. And that's what happens in heaven. We are synchronized within God's presence and the rhythm of his movement. It is awesome. Our heavenly inheritance is a life lived literally in the presence of the living God. He is the father of light, and he spoke this world into existence. Every soul in heaven is focused on God's glory, goodness, and grace. There are no material distractions in heaven. We will celebrate life and our status as children of God. Paul wrote to the Colossians that we can take joy in the reality that we are called to be an inheritance as holy people in the kingdom of light. He also said to the Philippians that our citizenship is in heaven and God will transform our humble bodies so that they are like Jesus's glorious body. We will be glorified by his presence. And my third point, Heaven is forever, and the people who are there will be all in. Now, I'm going to take you back a couple of weeks to a time that I think exemplifies the all-in idea. Do you remember when the Nationals won the pennant and then went on to win the World Series? Exactly. Our whole city was all in for the Nats. We all were celebrating the glory of our team. There were even a lot of new fans who didn't know anything about baseball, had never been to a Nats game, who went out and bought Nats gear so they could wear it to work. You know, everyone wanted to get in on it. People dropped everything to watch those baseball games. And I'm going to tell you right now, it's a confession. Our citizen group ended early just so that we could all go downstairs and watch the game that Wednesday night. And a lot of us were not that into it, but we got excited because it was our community coming together to celebrate the magic of our team. During that time, FOMO about the Nats' winning streak was real. Am I right? Everyone was afraid they were going to miss the moment. You know, we all wanted to get in on it while it lasted. Well, there's no FOMO in heaven. 
Heaven is where all of God's goodness comes together unfiltered. And there's no such thing as time in heaven. So time won't run out. You won't miss any moments. When we're face-to-face with Jesus, we each become complete. We're a whole reflections of God's love and grace and power. And each soul, every soul in heaven is united inside the glory of God. It's impossible to miss the moment. The good stuff in heaven is continuous. We won't be distracted there. There is no striving. There is no pursuit because our knowledge and our existence will be complete. We will be immersed in our creator's presence. Heaven is the beginning and the end all at once. I mean, I can't fathom that. Can you? It's so hard, but that's okay. You know, when Jesus taught about heaven, he urged his followers not to worry about what they didn't understand. He encouraged his his followers to trust the little bits of insight, the little glimmers of heaven that we experience here, those heavenly moments that give us a taste of what heaven will be like. Jesus used proverbs and miracles and parables and taught us to trust him. He explained that the work of the Holy Spirit as our helper and guide would help us to understand the things that we can't fathom. He encouraged us to expect good surprises from God, our Father. Jesus said to enter the kingdom of heaven, we must become like little children. You know how kids are. They're filled with wonder and expectancy. They always are expecting good surprises. They're willing to follow even when they don't understand the path. Kids have a spirit of adventure, and they'll try just about anything with just a teeny little bit of information or invitation. And Jesus says that that's how we ought to be. He described the kingdom of heaven as a mustard seed, the tiniest of seeds that grows into a giant plant with branches strong enough for birds to perch. He described the kingdom of heaven as a pinch of yeast that can leaven 60 pounds of dough and make a nourishing meal for many people. Jesus described the kingdom of heaven as a a bright, brilliant pearl that's worth dropping everything just in order to purchase it and protect it. With simple illustrations like that, Jesus is telling us that one small step forward in faith can put us on the path to glory. This is the essence of Jesus' message to us. We know the way, and the way begins and ends with him. It just takes one step of faith, and you'll be all in. That's the mysterious and unfathomable truth about grace. In John's vision of heaven, at the center of the golden city is the tree of life. Listen, I believe that the Bible is a miracle. 
I believe that the men who wrote these writings were inspired by God to do so. I believe that the men who organized them and assembled them in the book that we call the Bible is also inspired by God. I don't think any of it is accidental. I don't think it's accidental that the library of writings that we call the Bible begins with a story about a beautiful garden where God lives with Adam and Eve. And at the center of that garden, there is a tree of life. And Adam and Eve were eating from that tree at will, without limit. They had access to its fruit. Its fruit was always ripe. They were eating from the tree of life in that garden. They were living with God, their creator and father. There was no shame there. Life was very good. But there was one limitation. God had warned them not to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You see, evil was present in that garden. And God was instructing them on how to avoid it. And everything changed when the people ate from that tree. Instead of knowing only good, they chose to know both good and evil. And the consequence was that they were banned from the garden, lost access to the tree of life, and were separated from God. And then we go back to the last chapters of the Bible, Revelation, where we have a description of a glorious, eternal, golden city. And at the center of this city, which is ruled by Creator God and the source of everything good, in the center of this city is the tree of life. And between these two bookends is the story of how we make our way back to have access to the tree of life because every soul in heaven will have access to that fruit again. Every soul in heaven will again be communing, communing with their creator. Jesus has shown us the way. He is our way. He is our Emmanuel, our God with us. Also in John 14, John wrote that Jesus said this, I have set an example for you so that you will do just what I have done for you. Now that you know this truth, how happy will you be when you put it into practice? You see, as we come to know Jesus, we begin to recognize the way back to the life that is truly life. We are perfected and completed in him. It is finished by his sacrifice and by his grace. We begin to become reflections of God's nature. Our intuition begins to be shaped differently by the Holy Spirit. We become peaceful. We become joyful. We become loving. We become more of all of the fruit of the Spirit. We become defined by gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. We become worship. Like the writer of Romans said, we offer ourselves as living sacrifices in worship and honor to our creator. 
We have the strength to resist sin. There is no disconnect. There is no distraction or limitation. There is no discord that can limit Jesus' ability to deliver us and heal us and bring us into the kingdom of life. In him we are redeemed. We are qualified and we are forgiven. Jesus is leading us to heaven. And the journey begins today. Every day, he delivers us anew into the presence of our king. Every day, we have an opportunity to reconnect with God in repentance and declare our allegiance to the king of the universe and the prince of peace. We can embrace the life that is truly light and enter into the kingdom of light as full citizens, children of the living God. So I'm going to end by praying with you. You know, when I look out at you, it just, I feel, I just feel wonderful seeing your faces because I know that God loves each and every one of you. And it is a beautiful picture to me of what heaven will be like. All this diversity, all this beauty, all of this leaning in for truth is what we will experience together in heaven. In this moment, you may be ready to recommit yourself to that vision, to recommit yourself to Jesus as your redeemer and your leader. Or maybe you've never asked Jesus to be your leader. Maybe you've never acknowledged him as your savior. Let today be your day. Let today be the day that you declare your allegiance by accepting Jesus as Lord, by prioritizing God and being in tune to his leading, by matching your pace and your direction to God's movement. Your allegiance will be reflected in this life for sure. It'll be reflected in your relationships, your friendships, your marriages. It'll be reflected in your business life, the decisions that you make, how you manage your money, how you manage your time. Your allegiance will be reflected in how you pray, how you give, how you fast and worship. As we move toward the kingdom of heaven with each tentative step of faith and obedience, as we pursue Jesus, he shows us the way to the kingdom of light. Now, before we pray, I want to invite you all to just bow your heads and close your eyes. And with every eye closed and every head bowed, I'm going to count to three. If you're making a decision today, whether it's to recommit to Jesus or to follow him for the first time, trust him to lead you into the kingdom of heaven. And if you're making a decision like that today, just slip your hand up when I get to three. And by raising your hand, we're not going to call you out. We're not going to call you forward or make you stand there. You'll just be telling me, that I'm saying this prayer with you. Because we believe that a physical act to confirm an inward decision is something powerful. 
So I'm going to count to three, and at three, if you're making a decision today, just wave at me. Just raise your hand. One, two, three. Amen, I see you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Okay, let's pray together. You can repeat after me. God, today we honor you as the Father of light and the giver of life. We thank you, God. Thank you, God, for loving me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for accepting me as I am. And thank you that you have vision for me that goes beyond today. I'm ready to submit my life to you, God. And I thank you, Jesus, for giving me this gift. I want to belong to you. And I want to be part of the kingdom of light. Amen.